listening to the Worcester Observer Podcast because you have impeccable taste. Hello and welcome to the Worcester Observer Podcast. We start with an apology this week, not because we've done anything wrong, but around this time on Thursday, we finally got the Brexit Party candidate to agree to come on to the show. He's very excited, he's been busy campaigning, and last Thursday we had him on the show. Very excited because I'm very keen to explore the success of the Brexit party with somebody who's actually standing. So it was going to be a great interview. I was looking forward to it because I've no doubt the party was going to play a huge role in the upcoming general election. And then Monday happened. Nigel Farage said any Brexit party candidate against a winning Conservative in 2017 would be stood down. So I'm afraid it's just Muggins here. Uh, Claire will entertain you. I will probably bore you to tears uh, once again, but no Brexit party candidate. And um, that's a shame. Couldn't he have just come on anyway? Or we did. We did pester him, and we pestered him for a quote. And that is actually the first story we're going to go through. Is that the dumped Brexit man? He's issued quite a savage warning that uh, Britain's exit from the European Union could be hijacked, delayed, and changed in direction. Should v- remain voting Conservative MPs win. In December's general election, now he makes the point quite clearly, a lot of Remain voting Conservative MPs have stood down or they've been deselected, but there's a number of Remain voting... Conservative MPs that voted to remain in the referendum that are still in Parliament. Um, He's very disappointed, as you might gather, but he says if they were to be elected, the next Parliament will again be a Remainer Parliament allowing the tortuous transition process to continue, regardless of the assurances Boris Johnson has provided. So so what happens in this situation? Had he paid his £500? No, and... the deadline for that, we're recording on Wednesday, the deadline for that, I believe, is tomorrow. Oh, OK. So the money hadn't gone in, so this is not right. a, sh- a short-changing uh, job, because the deadline for candidates is tomorrow. I could be wrong, but I think it's midnight tomorrow night. I think you should run, Rob. I think I you'd be a great leader. I don't, I don't, and the whole thing is frustrating me. Um, and just getting back to Mr Potter, he, Ma- Martin, I should actually say he's Martin Potter, we keep telling him the Brexit Party candidate, Martin Potter was the candidate, Martin Potter. Um, he's also added a line, he regretted the electors may not now have the opportunity to vote for a candidate who actually believes in Brexit. Now I should say we're in the election period, so we went, we've gone and sourced the reaction from all the candidates standing and it's important to suggest, uh, say that Robin Walker uh, said that it was clear that we can now deliver Brexit. And although he voted Remain, he stressed very um, eloquently on the record. He's got a record of voting to leave with a deal. He campaigned in the referendum uh, to Remain, of which he makes no bones about it. But he's rolled up his sleeves since then to actually get the deal done. Stephen Kearney, uh, the Liberal Democrat candidate, is now likening the Conservatives to uh, the Brexit party, and they're one and the same. And Labour's Lynn Denham actually expressed her sympathy for Martin Potter because he'd started campaigning now to be withdrawn from the front line. And she made the point that democracy is all about choice. And I happen to agree with her because 
Claire and I had a rather heated Brexit discussion last week because one day we'll record what we, we do. Should. That we should. That would be the best podcast ever. I, We'd you, go straight to the top of the love it iTunes charts. If you think Question Time's heated at times, <laughs> it's nothing compared to what we can get up to. But we all stay friends. But we stay friends, exactly. We, we've proven that you can have a Brexit debate and actually you just don't get on with each <laughs> other. But, and, we, you know, Claire. You know, I think it's quite clearly, I'm not outing you, that you'll be voting Conservative and you've backed Boris a lot. But what gets me with this Brexit party withdrawal is I think there's a lot of Brexit voters that have been very taken in by the Brexit party and it's preached a lot of what they've been wanting to hear from a Brexit, from a party. And I think to take that away is, I think it's a bit silly. Mm, because I, I don't I mean, think they're all, they're automatically going to go straight back to the Conservatives because Nigel Farage just said so. Mm, it's a difficult one, isn't it? And I think it's n- no size fits all. I think it's going to be very different and dramatic across the country. Yeah. I think in some areas, maybe it's going to work in their favour. Other areas, who knows? It's just, it's interesting times, isn't it? It, it is. I mean, I, just, I, I get, I get, on the surface, I get it. You know, they don't want to split the Leave vote because they can see that the Remain vote looks like it's going to go Labour, Lib Dem, Green, Plaid, Nationalists. So they're trying to get, help deliver a Brexit majority with Conservative MPs and maybe one, two, seven Brexit party MPs. I'm not sure the strategy will work, but then I don't believe in any opinion poll at the moment. And I don't believe what people are saying at the moment. It's. I was in the pub the other night and a couple of Brexiteers were saying that now they would vote Conservative right. in Worcester. But um, I th- don't think they're happy about it. I think no. they quite liked Maybe this. Maybe hold the nose. Yeah, I think this guy, they quite liked this Mr Potter and they liked what he was saying. And is it true he'd already started campaigning? He'd already yeah. campaigning. 12,000 households had been leafleted already. Yeah. I mean, that's money up the dr- <laughs> down mm. the drain, up the drain. Well, I suppose yeah. in Australia it would go up the drain. But who knows? I mean, it is a shame. Could he not end up running an independent campaign on his own? Or, or, or are you not allowed to do that yeah, at this stage? Yes, can stand as independent. But then you've got to find the £500 yourself. Yeah. Um, and did Nigel Farage give any of these people an idea that this might be happening? Or was it just as much... I want to know if it was as much as a surprise to them as it was to the rest of us when he announced it. I I think it was more disappointment. Certainly the email conversation, without revealing too much, but the personal conversations I had with mm. uh, Martin Potter was... I think it was more disappointment. I think they were hoping that... He'd rail back, because remember, Nigel Farage's initial threat was, um, unless you disown your Brexit deal, I'll run candidates all across the country. Mm. That became, all of a sudden, I'll run candidates, but not against the Conservative Party. Right. Well, one of the people I was talking to about in the pub the other night, you know, all the best, in Britain, all the best conversations happen in the pub. So we we should do this podcast from the pub one time (laughs) and get people to come in. It's a good idea, isn't it? Hell anyway, yeah. one of the guys in question, he was saying that he would now vote Conservative in Worcester as opposed to backing um, the Brexit Party. He was saying that, obviously, the Brexit Party and Conservatives are getting a lot of slack right now and lots of people... I mean, a lot of flack right now mm. and lots of people are having a go at them for combining forces. But he was saying that the Lib Dems and Labour and the other parties have also been doing oh, that. absolutely. So it's like... You know, let's not pretend here. The idea of an alliance 
is nothing new in politics. Mm. I, I, I come at it from a... I mean, I, can, I come at it from a Remain standpoint, so I may not get it as much as Brexit... And I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe everyone is going to go back to the Conservative Party and the like, well, it's a jolly good idea, we should vote Conservative. Maybe I am wrong. And the idea of an alliance... And it's n- there's nothing untoward. Tactical voting happens everywhere. It's nothing untoward. I'm not suggesting that at all. I just... I've got very enthused by the Brexit Party because... It, this is a party that didn't even exist mm-hmm. this time last year. And yet in May, the first electoral test, it swept the board. That's not... Look, you know, that's having a message that immediately, like kicking the door in and walking in and saying, right, here's our message. And it resonated with people. And that's what I wanted to explore with Martin Potter. If he'd have been on the guest, I would love to have explored from the inside, what are they doing that's different? Or is it simply that they're not being... Westminster people and they're actually talking to voters on a level that all the parties should be talking to voters at I mean there was a very good point actually made by my my dad I'll give him another uh, mention Um, he can't vote Labour because of Corbyn he voted Conservative reluctantly um, because we talk of the tribal element you know Labour voters struggle to vote Conservative you know, why should he vote Brexit? You know, is there a middle... Was the Brexit party the middle way? But because in his constituency, a Conservative won in 2017, he hasn't got to have that dilemma on December the 12th. But he is having a postal vote. Hmm. I know. It's... Um, oh, gosh, if we could just have a crystal ball and find, you know, see what will happen, I think it's going to be really interesting. And I it's don't... Th- I think you're right be... about the polls. I mean, they change oh, daily no. and... Who knows if I would put a health warning out now. The only poll that matters is at 10 p.m. on December the 12th, and that'd be the exit poll because I think there's just so much that could go wrong, that could go right. I mean, the cynicism this morning I watched the headlines with is that both parties have pledged to outspend the other on the NHS. Hmm. Well, this is just general election playbook tactics from 20 years ago. But it is a good time now at the moment, isn't it, for the governments to be borrowing, because they can borrow for nothing. It, it is, but it's, you know, I get very bored with, we're going to spend more on the NHS. You know, it's a new tactic. Like, like it's some sort of new tactic. Labour and Conservative have been trading barbs on the NHS for as long as I've been voting. It's ridiculous, it's boring. Actually, improve the NHS, and actually, rather than this, well, you can't trust them and we're spend all this money, mm-hmm. it doesn't lead to anywhere, because... The next election, three or four years from now, it'll be, well, you can't trust those on the NHS. It's boring. Actually bring in some proper reforms Mm. that you don't need to use it as a political football. It's a cheap football, a little bit like Brexit is a cheap football. But we will see. I would say the only opinion poll that matters, as I said, is on election night itself because I think there's just so much of a variance. Mm -hmm. There is... You don't know what effect all all sorts of things can come into play here. I mean, Corbyn Corbyn is not out on the road yet, properly. I, once he gets out on the road, it'll be interesting to see if he can do what he did in 2017, inspire people with these rallies. He's apparently very good, isn't he, when yes. he's out on the road. But I do think when you're out on the road, and I've done it a little bit, I've been helping our um, local MP here where I live, but... Um, People tell you a little bit, I think, what they want 
you want to hear. Mm. I definitely think that's yeah, yeah. a lot of the case. Um, but I think someone like Corbyn is very charismatic and I think he does pull in the crowds and mm. I think he'll do a good job out on the road. But likewise, Boris is the same, yes, you know. Uh, but uh, he should be, the, you know, they need to be up up front with people. I mean, we had Sajid Javid in Worcester on uh, Friday. I got a call with about an hour's notice to get to Worcester. Oh, wow. Did you meet him? Absolutely delighted to meet him. And um, do I tell this story? Oh, tell this story. I I love Sajid stories. Well, do you know what? He's been dining out on it for nine years. I've been dining out. I'll self-admit I've been dining out on this story for nine years. Now is the Chancellor. I will tell the story because the Chancellor at the Exchequer says this about me. Um... He was standing to be Julie Kirkbride's replacement in Bromsgrove uh, in 2000 and... I want to say it was late 2009. It may have been early 2010, but there was a shortlist of six um, to replace her as the Conservative um, candidate. And um, a number of them, including Ruth Davidson, actually met with the Bromsgrove editor and star of the Bromsgrove Standard podcast, Tristan Harris, and myself... One of those to meet us was Sajid Javid. Oh, wow, okay. And, you know, you always meet them because it's the first chance to make a contact. Any good journalist wants to get the contact, your feet under the table early on. But you thought, oh, it's going to be half an hour and he's going to be busy and he's going to want to go somewhere else. I think me and Tristan, or Tristan and I, should I say, um, spoke to him for over an hour. Oh, right. And he just revealed everything about his past. That's the first mention, I believe, that his mum... His dad was a bus driver about Rochdale and his mum owned a dress, a dress shop. Wow. But he told us all about his background and everything. And I like to think my political antenna is pretty good. Hmm. But half the time I'm wrong. I like to think I'm right, <laughs> but I'm half the time I'm wrong. You know a lot about it. So. But I actually said to him, I said, if you speak to the people of Bromsgrove with the passion that you've spoke about becoming an MP to us today you will actually increase Julie Kirkbride's majority. Now, it was, it was a sizable majority at the time. It was over the 10,000 mark at the time. So it wasn't like it was a small majority for him to build on. There was already a sizable majority. Anyway, election night comes, goes. He wins and he increases his majority. In front of the Midlands media at the Bromsgrove District Council count, he actually pointed out and went, this guy actually was the only one to predict I would increase my majority. The Conservative majority. Pointing to you? Pointing to me. Oh, my goodness. In front of everybody. (laughs) So on Friday, we're at Worcester Bosch. Give them a good name check because they... Maybe you are our crystal ball. I'm not. I'm really not. (laughs) What did you say on Friday? Let's see if it happens again. No, no, no. Friday, we're at Worcester Bosch and we're waiting our turn. The BBC interview him. Then uh, the other local newspaper in the city interview him. And um, then shake his hand. He's like, Rob, haven't seen you for a while. Turns round to the assembled guests and go, do you know, this guy actually predicted I'd increase my majority when I was first elected. Wow. Fame at last. <laughs> do you know what? I always think really successful people are really good at remembering things like that. And I remember, my dad always tells this story, he met Margaret Thatcher. Right. And she did something really similar. Yeah. She remembered my dad's name, and it was years later, and my dad just happened to be in London with my brother when he was a little boy, and waved at her through the gates, and she came over, and she remembered my dad, and my dad was just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you remembered this. And she said, do you know what, it's the little things that matter. Those were her words. And I think with politicians, it's the little things, the fact that he 
remembered yeah. you. It's such a big thing, isn't it? Well, it's... I'm also a constituent as well, so yeah. you know, it's a it's a good glad handing to cr- try and get a vote. I do. They've they've got a knack. I'm hopeless at it. I can meet someone yesterday, oh. and I won't remember their name the next yeah. day. But <laughs> you keep saying I should stand. My memory's hopeless. Oh, I know. I wish you know, I was You know, I'm having good. to write post-it notes. I'd be in the House of Commons with post-it notes with a to-do list or writing on my hand or something. I wish I could. But do it was that. very good. Um, there was a little bit of the conservative lines to take, which we, we're going to get in the campaign. There's going to be a lot of, you know, these are the lines we want to get across. But he's developed as a media performer, I think. I think he's very good um, with the clipped interview and with the very short, sharp answers. And I think he's an asset to the campaign. So I make a prediction that you'll see a lot of Sajid on your TV uh, this campaign because I think the party will roll him out. I do really like him and I do like the fact that lots of the Conservatives' lines at the moment have come from Sajid. He yeah. was the first one he mentioned about putting the extra 20,000 police officers on the street. That all came from him, that yeah. Boris jumped on the bandwagon of that and ran with it. Lots of Sajid's... Cabinet responsibility, collective responsibility. Yeah, but lots of Sajid's ideas and pledges are the message now of the Conservatives and I do think I think he's a big future star you know I I can imagine him becoming PM one day I can I can easily he's that sort of persona I think this one came too early but I think he's He's a bit young isn't he at the moment he's well yeah I mean young prime ministers and that I'm all for look at Canada and all that but I do think maybe in this country Trudeau yeah so yeah maybe not now at the moment it's gone a bit murky we won't get into that because there's Canadian politics (laughs) if we have got listeners in Canada though do let us know uh, how you feel well we might as well come on let's let's sell it far and wide but no very interesting Um, I should point out the Lib Dems have also launched their manifesto Labour have launched their campaign as well indeed I spoke to Lynn Denham for the story that you'll see on worcesterobserver.co.uk about Martin Potter leaving the Brexit party candidacy and she was actually on the campaign trail she said I'm just knocking on doors at the moment so it's already started but we'll keep you abreast of anything that's going on uh, and hopefully, if you are listening political parties, Worcester is a vitally important seat for you all. So it's on M4, M5, it's not that far from London, or you can come on the ag- excellent rail links. Be good to see you, and also give the Worcester Observer first dibs on any interview as well. Oh, yes, please, and come on this podcast. Oh, well, yes, <laughs> or we, we have got recording equipment, so we can turn you into a podcast. Exactly, There, yeah. there you go. I can't sell it any more than that. Um, One of the most important things, though, this week, more important than politics and all that and all general elections, was Remembrance Sunday in the Faithful City. Um, Do go online. Uh, Marcus, our photographer, a hat tip to our photographer, 28 pictures of a rather special Sunday in the centre of Worcester as Worcester remembered the fallen and all those that made the ultimate sacrifice. But if you do get a copy of the paper, if you can go online to worcesterobserver.co.uk and our e-edition, we have got a quite monumental two-page spread on the inside, lovingly put together by our sub-editors, James Isles, who did the pages. Uh, A big thank you to him as well because they look absolutely brilliant the pictures and everything set out and i think hopefully we have captured with our own photographer as well uh the worcester observer's own marcus mingins out there taking pictures of remembrance sunday and i won't don't mind admitting to you again it it moved me hmm. the whole remembrance sunday i i'm a big jesse when it comes to 
the armed forces and remembrance. And um, I didn't... Did you see those pictures of the Queen in London and she had to wipe a tear from her it's, eye? And it's it, remarkable. It, that really moved me. It's... And that, the whole thing that's really sort of making me aware of how old I am, but also how old, and she, that she's not indestructible, is that she now appears at the balcony. Mm. She now doesn't lay the wreath. Mm. And it's horrible to think that, obviously she's getting old and we're all getting old, but you know, almost the Queen... I think we we talked about this last week a little bit, that she's somehow, somehow indestructible. Mm. But I thought it was a marvellous, marvellous service. I watched it at the Senate. I watched it at home uh, in the end because uh, I, needed, I needed a break from... Did you see those pictures of all the London cabbies over Westminster Bridge? And apparently they do that every year every... to take the veter- veterans. Um, yeah. Yeah, veterans. I was thinking I was saying that American. <laughs> I've lived in America too long. Um, but they t- do that to take the veterans for free. London cabbie drivers, And nobody say. really talks about that. But isn't that lovely? It is. They're the best in the world. I have encountered them numerous times, including... I, I, I'll drop another anecdote. If these anecdotes bore you, do tell me, because I am a, quite a boring person, I think. <laughs> um, but we did a charity raffle for our Redditch paper some years ago. And uh, part of it is that we hit the celebrities and said, have you got anything you want to flog? Because this is for, it was for a little boy, life-saving treatment. One of those that got in touch with us was Alistair Campbell, now booing at the back. Um, <laughs> Alistair Campbell said, yeah, go on. I, I played against Diego Maradona in Soccer Aid. And there's a plug for your ITV as well. Uh, I played against Diego Maradona in Soccer Aid. I've got his shirt and it's signed. No way. Way. And it was all in a frame and everything. He said, you can have it. He said, for this little boy, so you can have it. He said, raise as much as you can for this little boy to How have this wonderful. operation. The only thing is, I'm in London this day. Then I'm in Dublin, Lisbon, and I'm out of the country for about three weeks. Mm. So I've got one day where I'm actually available. And I can't actually bring it to you, and I'm not willing to post it. Why wouldn't he post it? Because it was a Diego Maradona signed football shirt, and I think it could go. Yeah, missing. he didn't mm. want it to go amiss. So I volunteered to take the train to London, um, go down to Euston, and then go to Alistair Campbell's address, which mm. I won't give away, but I know where he lives. Yeah. Um, to pe- knocked on the door. Uh, his housekeeper said, "Oh, he's not in." I thought, "Ah, oh, I've come all this way," and he was just like, and you could hear the voice up the stairs saying. Who is it? He said, it's a Mr. Jo- it's a Mr. Hoyge for you. Mm. Uh, apparently that was George. And he just, he was like, of course I'm in. I said, I just wasn't wanting to be disturbed. But I said, somebody is going to come for the shirt and they're going to ask for me personally. Anyway, that's a side issue. I got to carry it from, well, from his house to the end of the street. And I thought, I'm a long way from Euston here. I need to hail a cab. Yeah. Hailed this cab. Like... Oh, geezer, how's it your proper London ca- cabbie? So where you been? in pairs. Love it. Um, he said, where you been then? I said, yeah, I said, you wouldn't believe me. He said, oh, I've heard it all sorts, mate. He said, go on. I said, oh, I've been to Alistair Campbell's house. He went, oh, I don't like that. I, we could have, I could have said it, but I don't know how Claire's bleep button is working. <laughs> um, I said, what's all that about then? I said, well, it's for this. I said, Diego Maradona signed shirt in Soccer Aid. I said, he's donating us for charity. We're auctioning it off and we're going to try and raise... I can't remember what the details were, but we, we needed to raise a fair amount of money. Was it big? Massive. It yeah, was, it was big, in a proper frame. Those big frames, the shirt, yeah. Imagine the shirt yeah. being laid out flat. So you needed to grab a, a cab, yeah. Yeah. Well, I could have walked 
given the fact I'm nearly six foot two and I'm quite bulky, but I just wasn't taking the risk because yeah. I am also a pacifist. So if anyone fights, I'd be like, okay, just take take it. <laughs> um, anyway, it was like, well, I didn't think I didn't think that useless would do anything like that. So I, I think a little bit better of him, not a lot, but I think a little bit better of him. Anyway, we pulled up at Euston. He said, I'll pull you up here, mate. He said, so I don't know why I'm pointing. I should explain to you, I'm pointing. I've got to... You're acting it out. I'm, I'm there. I'm, I've actually I'm... got to work out that one day I will understand that this is audio and you can't see us talking. Uh, he said, I'll drop you closer to the entrance so you haven't got far to walk, mate. And I said, well, how much is that? Because it came up, at, uh, I think, eight or nine quid hmm. on the uh, meter. He was like, stick it in the collection for the little lad. He said, put it towards the, the fundraising. How lovely. I said, no, come on. I said, You've, I said, this is quite valuable. We'd be like, take it. Make sure you donate. He said, here's the receipt. He said, make sure you donate on the night. I says, my contribution to little boy. That's so this nice. This is a little boy in Redditch, you know, what, 120 miles away yeah. from London? Best in the world, London cabbies. That's incredible. And how much did you raise through the I shirt? Think we had, I, think it went for a, I think it went for four figures. Certainly. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can't, it's so long ago, and, yeah. but they're the best in the world. I tell you one thing, the remembrance did cut me up, though. After all the dignitaries finished laying their wreaths, the veterans were all pushed forward to go past the cenotaph. And there was this row, and I'm going to try and get through this, and if I get choked up, I'm not going to apologise, because I keep telling the story and I keep getting choked up about it. But they were pushed in their wheelchairs. They were all north of, north of 80, 90, looking ever so frail, but you knew they were determined to go and pay their respects. Mm. There was four of them in the line, all of a sudden, it came just before they hit the cenotaph. They came to a stop, and three of these old boys rose up out the chairs. They struggled to walk. One had two walking sticks, but they were determined to walk past that cenotaph. And I was in floods of tears. And if you could tell my, my voice now, I'm because hmm. I thought these men deserve Heroes. the absolute best. And I love the fact that ill health, in you know. Immobility, immobility, if that's even a word, mm. that ain't going to stop them. I love the courage. I love the bravery. And every single one of you out there, if you are listening to it, if you are a veteran listening to this and you're embracing the new world, my utmost sympathy and my utmost love and care to you all, and I hope you all live a long and a happy life because you deserve it for what you did for our country. Absolutely. We, we can't thank them enough, can we? No, and I'm going to try and pull myself together because, again, I got a bit emotional and uh, that is absolutely ridiculous. But one of those that was there, I do want to touch on this as well, one of those that was there, it was actually a blind veteran, Michael Stone, 97 years old, and, but he was there at the Cenotaph um, and to pay his respects, thanks to Blind Veterans UK, the national charity for the vision-impaired ex-servicemen and women, Michael uh, suffers... Um, with macular degeneration. But this is where I love the spirit of the older generation and it's what our generation and the younger generation need coming through because Michael's view on losing his sight to macular degeneration is, and I quote, I find my sight loss extremely irritating. Oh. It hasn't ruined his life or anything. It actually irritates That's him. That's so British as That's well, so, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's like British old school. British old school, but I look... People, there would be people that are much, you know, have got a cold or something, oh, this, that and the other. This has actually changed his life completely and yet the only thing is it's irritating him. 
that mm. spirit. Uh, it's no. no wonder we we were successful with men like him on the front line, vowing to just rise above it all. There's there's a um, meme going around on the internet at the moment. Have you seen it? And it's about an American talking. I think it was in one of the London papers last week, and it was an American talking about being in the war with mm. Brits. And he was saying that, um, oh, I'm, I'm going to slaughter this now because I can't remember it properly, but he was talking about he, how he fought with other nationalities. But you knew when you were fighting with a British person, like all hell could have <laughs> broken loose and the chips were really, you know, down and you literally would be at the end of your tether and other people, other nationalities could be crying mm, or really yeah. freaking out. And the British guy would light a cigarette and be like, right, guys, well, let's um, hit the road. <laughs> like, and he was saying that no but one it's else. True. It's true. They they just you know, be, they mock us for the stiff make, upper lip, and then make a joke about it. Like oh well, <laughs> and, and the American was saying that it is such an amazing um, characteristic of our country. And these guys are the epitome of uh, heroes, aren't they? Like they that, are, their, absolutely. Their and attitudes are just second to none. Every single year, um, the I mean I. We were debating it over the weekend. The, our, my family were debating it over the weekend. My view is on remembrance, and I don't know if you agree. I think we were remembering more as a nation. We I spoke don't think about, Yeah, we spoke about this on another podcast recently, and I think it's getting bigger and better every year, but I think it's the schools that are really getting involved, mm. and I love it. I love the fact that all our young people are becoming more and more involved in this. Because it's so easy, because... It's of a generation. I mean, next year we'll celebrate 75 years since the end of the Second World War, since the end of the last truly global conflict. Yes, there has been a lot of war since then, unfortunately. But it's been three quarters of a century since the last global conflict, and yet it's still as relevant today. It's marvellous. I'm not knocking it at all. Mm. It's marvellous. And long may it continue. Long may also something continue as well. Uh, the Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Alad Ditter, a character if there ever, will, will, if there ever was one, uh, he's called on city residents to reach out and help the victims of the 5.8 magnitude earthquake which stuck, uh, struck in uh, Kashmir uh, in, in the end of October. Uh, he hopes that other businesses will follow that, that of Altaf's Balti on Toledine Road in organising fundraising events. And do you know what? If you organise it and you get in touch with him, he'll help you promote it as well. And you do need his promotion because he will promote it He's a fantastic for you. Mayor, He's a fantastic he? character. Um, if you want to just donate money, though, to the victims, Worcester has got a very strong Kashmiri community. Do visit www.justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding funding forward slash Allah A L L A H dash Ditta D I T T A dash one for more. I just did want I did want to get that one in. And of course little bit two little bits of housekeeping. Christmas lights switch on because apparently now it's Christmas even though we bonfire night was literally last week. They're being switched on 21st of uh, 21st of October. That would be a very <laughs> long Christmas period the 21st of november which is next thursday as we record this on and wednesday do we, do we have any famous people coming to switch we've got the worcester wolves basketball team oh okay so a lot Brown. of tall men awesome. there'll be a lot of tall people are they going to jump up and do a they're they going to set the switch really high <laughs> that's an idea i may go back and speak to the council and say let's make it a spectacle i'll see how but then far they're, they're they can doing jump really up. well in the bbl cup at the moment so they probably don't want injuries oh, you know, that's probably true. jumping and 
sink in a basket, if that's the terminology, I'm not sure that's the terminology, sink in a basket and flicking yeah, a switch is, yeah. high up a wall. <laughs> and also, if you want to do your Christmas shopping on a Thursday, we've got free parking from 6pm every Thursday in the run-up to Christmas, starting on December the 5th as well. What a fantastic idea. That's from the City Council. And that's just every Thursday? Every Thursday, uh, the fi- December the 5th, 12th and 19th. From 6pm, you can park on a Thursday for free to do the late night shopping. And also, you can park on Sundays um, to pay for three hours and get the rest of the day for free on Sundays, starting from December the 1st as well. So two chances to go and get your Christmas shopping done and not do what I do, usually get it done around the 23rd or something, (laughs) having planned... Months in I'm exactly the same, Rob, exactly the same. The only problem is that we, we I had this similar last week with the poppy, you know, not buying a poppy till the last minute because I keep losing it. I did, one year I was very organised and then I forgot where I'd put it all. Mm. So I had to spend about a week going, where have I put that? Ah, that's right. What, you forgot where you put all your presents? Yes. No, <laughs> how big is your house? <laughs> it's, not that, it, it's not that big and it was actually the, the flat I used to live in before we moved into this house. <laughs> I could not remember for the life of me. I had a brainwave and I thought, I'll put them there because that's inspired. Nobody will find them there. But I guess also with your little one, you have to hide them away because little ones these days, they, they search them. I know I used do to I, when do, I was a kid. Do I, I used to look everywhere. Tactics? Oh, he's not gonna. He's not gonna listen, and he's so obsessed with Pudsey Bear that that's a separate story, altogether. Uh, our tactic is just to, we've got a spare room. Uh, he's banned from going in there from uh, a certain date. Oh, uh, that's a good idea. Um, but uh, if you're listening, Jacob, if you're somehow listening, that's <laughs> not true podcasts. at all. That's not true at all. <laughs> that's get me um, out there. Um, but that was no do you know what i'll leave it there's too many anecdotes gone on this week one thing that i do want to draw your attention we will have a podcast so i might update you next week after we've done this um councillor andy stafford is tabling a motion next tuesday we're recording this on wednesday the 13th on tuesday the 19th of november there will be a motion in front of worcester city council for a memorial bench in memory of stuart denley maxwell the claims councillor who's tragically uh, lost, uh, passed away in June of this year. It's in June of last year, sorry. Uh, at the age of 60, leaving behind his wife, four children and four grandchildren. Andy Stafford is a very good friend of uh, Councillor Den- uh, Stuart Denley Maxwell and he's proposed this, that a memorial bench goes in the newly created Riverside Park. Okay, nice. Um, do read that story. It's going up online, I think, tomorrow. Uh, if it's not tomorrow, it's Friday on worcesterobserver.co.uk and we'll bring you all the latest on next week's podcast and hopefully in next week's paper well we won't get it in next week's paper but we'll put it on the website i hope it'll be resolved and i think it will be resolved by all the parties because the man was a very very popular member of worcester city council just before we do the uh, what's on worcester roundup a very best of luck to worcester warriors who are getting on a plane in about two hours to fly to russia a 2,300-mile trip to play a game of rugby in the European Challenge Cup. So 4,600-round trip to play against NSI RTM in the European Challenge Cup. Wow, I That's didn't, a know. Long I way didn't to even play know they rugby. did all that. 
Yeah, is it often that they have to like fly? That's abroad? the first time I think they've gone to Russia. Okay, it's mm. western Western Russia, but it's still a trek all the same, especially when it's called the European Challenge Cup. Wow! Uh, but good luck to the boys there on back of a nineteen fourteen win against Harlequins on Saturday as well. So they go into it on the very best of form. The very best of form is also shown by Claire because it's now time for the What's on Worcester Roundup. For all the things to do and see this week, it's Claire Bullivant with this week's What's On Guide. Thanks, Rob. And I'm back with some of our top picks of things to see and do this coming week in Worcester and Malvern. Starting on Saturday, the 16th of November, loads of live music going on all over the place. We haven't got time to go through all the listings, so do check out this week's paper or our website. But just to mention a few that I definitely want you to catch, great night on Saturday at Paradiddle's Music Cafe Bar. It's going to be a night of twisted garage punk and rock and roll as three bands at the top of their game come together for a bone-shaking, hip-wiggling, head-banging show not to be missed. It's The Strays, The Shaking Nightmares and Miss Kill. I've caught The Strays before several times and they're truly fantastic, always pushing rock and roll to its limit, fusing a multitude of genres to create create an and a really unique vintage sound with a really gritty modern edge. They're now signed to Western Star Records and described as No Doubt Meets Imelda May. Definitely a band to watch and the other bands also sound fantastic. It's going to be a great night at Paradiddles. 8pm start there. Also on Saturday, we've got Shakoya at the Worcester Arts Workshop. These guys are Songline's World Music Awards Best Group nominees last year. And they are one of London's musical treasures performing the rich folk traditions of Jewish Eastern Europe, Turkey and the Balkans. And if you haven't heard them before... The music is very fiery and emotional. The gorgeous songs are very lyrical and virtuosic. But do try and catch them while they're here in Worcester. You, you'll thank me for it. The Worcester Arts Workshop is also incredible. If you haven't discovered that place yet, do go and check it out. It's, it's one of my favourite places now to go in Worcester. The music starts at 7pm on Saturday and I hope to see you there. Great night also at Annie's Burger Shack on Saturday with the X-Rays and the VHTs and also some special guest headliners apparently who I haven't been told who they are yet but I know it's going to be great. Always fun and fantastic music at Annie's. Also on Saturday, and I'm excited about this, I do want to try and catch this, it's Diamond, the ultimate tribute to Neil Diamond, going down at Huntington Hall on Saturday evening. Where it all began, we hardly know, but Jamie Knight is proving himself to be the UK's best tribute to the fantastic Neil Diamond. We all love a bit of Neil Diamond, don't we? Go and see and hear Jamie Knight and the Manuka Band perform Neil Diamond's greatest songs, and you'll be a believer. Get your tickets quick on Worcester Live. Moving on to Sunday, the 17th of November, my top pick is Motherland happening at the Malvern Cube in Malvern. If you haven't heard about this show yet, they describe it as a visceral, full-bodied, dragged-up howl of a show, exploring nationalism, identity 
and our ability to speak out. Some people say it's all about British values. Some people say it's not about intolerance, but it's about not tolerating intolerance. Get my drift? In Motherland, Joe Tayabaji, she unapologetically reclaims the voices of politicians, YouTubers, British Indians and OCIs in an era of India rising and people taking back Britain. This is a show that asks, who are you first and raises lots of questions and hopefully some answers. Apparently, it's amazing. So do try and catch it while it's here in Malvern, 8pm on Sunday at the Malvern Cube. Then my final topic of the week is on Tuesday the 19th of November and nothing is quite as splendid as having Mozart's Requiem performed in our very own Worcester Cathedral, is it? By And it's all going to be done by Worcester Festival Choral Society. And by the way, did you know that Worcester Festival Choral Society has brought the great choral works to the magnificent setting of Worcester Cathedral for more than 150 years? Truly incredible, right? Even in this age of digital downloads and music on the web, a live musical performance with orchestra, soloists and choir cannot be beaten in terms of pure joy and symphonic satisfaction, you could say. And how lucky are we to have the amazing Worcester Cathedral for them to perform in? Do try and get your tickets on the 19th of November. It's going to be spectacular, 7.30pm start, and you can get all the details on the Worcester Cathedral website, which is worcestercathedral.co.uk. And that concludes my top picks for this week. Remember, if you have an event going on, let us know so we can let everyone know. We can advertise it on the Worcester and Malvern Observers. We can put it in the paper. We can put it on all our social media channels and even possibly talk about it on this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Back to you, Rob. Thanks, Claire, and thanks for listening. I hope I've not bored you all with the anecdotes this week. We'll try and focus on the news a little bit more next week rather than personal anecdotes from me. It's like I've got some sort of uh, stage tour going on. I do apologise for that. If you found them interesting, great. If you found them boring, do let me know and I will shut up. But until we meet again, I think we're done here. I've been your host, Rob George. This has been the Worcester Observer podcast. I think we're done here. Bye-bye.